Hi, Jenna. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can yes, you hear me? I can hear you. It's so nice to have you here. <laughs> yeah. So we can Happy to join. <laughs> so we can start already. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so just a brief introduction. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome to my Twitter space. Here we have conversations with women leaders in the open source ecosystem. And today, I am excited to have Joanna here with me to share our experiences in open source. Joanna is currently a Python core developer and director of the Python Software Foundation, doing research and garbage collection in Python with the IBM Center. I'm excited to share that Joanna is the first African Python core developer that leads research at IBM. Joanna, welcome again, and thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you're welcome. I'm very privileged and very happy to have joined uh, your space and talk to talk to you today. Yeah. So which city are you currently based in? Uh, so I'm based in uh, Fredericton in um, a province called New Brunswick oh, in Canada. Oh, okay. And how is the weather yeah. over there today? Uh, it's a bit, uh, it's fine, a bit of sunshine. So it's spring, so the temperatures are a bit, not that bad. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's fine. I think the same thing here, it's yeah. not so bad as well. The temperature is very good today. So, oh, where are you best? Sweden, Elsinbury. Oh, okay. Yeah, a city called Oh, Elsinbury. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's been mostly mm -hmm. sunny all day, so. <laughs> I think we're gradually getting there with the weather. Um, okay. Yeah, so I was thinking that we could start our conversation, you know, talking about basically how did you get involved um, in open source? What's your story? Um, okay, so I was working for... I was working for my uh, for my first company after university. It was called uh, Laboremus. And then I started to, I wanted to develop my skills so that I sort of be like, uh, in my mind then, I'll, I'll use the actual words I had then when I had just joined my first, uh, my had my first job, software engineering job at Laboremus Uganda. I was thinking that since I stay in Uganda, my skills were not, that good so i was always i always had this anxiety and pressure that i needed to have world-class skills like my software engineering skills needed to be world-class mm -hmm. so much as i had that job after like over the weekend i would be online trying to look at uh, github and seeing how developers like in the u.s were doing things because in my mind then i thought like folks in europe were better than me and i needed to compete mm -hmm. right so one thing that came out was that most of those people that I was reading about, it's not the right mindset, I'm just saying, but that was the mindset I had then. Now I know better, right? So I, when I watched uh, many developers that I used to read about their stories, there was even a developer I knew, uh, she was called Susan Fowler. She was at Uber and I, I was reading her story. She was like as old as I am, right? And but most of the things I saw about them and what I admired about them, 
is that the skills they learned, they learned them by working on open source projects mm. or by working on open source software. So I said, okay, let maybe I didn't know what even open source means, but everyone, I would watch their YouTube and then they would say, oh, I work on open source and, and I'm going to talk about this open source tool. So I was like, I think when I work on open source, I will be a world-class developer. So that's what made me to start contributing to open source. So I had some experience as a software engineer then because I was working for a fintech company, but I decided to to like apply for like an open source internship. So to me, it felt like most people would think I stepped down, right? Because I was already like, well, I was entry-level engineer then. So to apply for an internship, most folks thought I was stepping down, but to me, I thought that was the only way I was going to get started into open source. So I applied for uh, an open source internship called Rails Girl Summer of Code. Then it uh, these days it stopped, but uh, then it was a very a very it was like outreachy, uh, very popular at the time. So I worked on my first open source project called Cute Browser. It was Python. It was by it's a a, a Python based uh, browser, and uh, it's uh, how you navigate the web using commands like Vim commands. Uh, if you know Emacs yeah. or Vim, so you you don't use uh, the the keyboard the your mouse more. So I love that project. So that's how I started into open source, and then after I also did outreach because I really wanted to be to have my footing in open source. So that is how I started to contribute to open source. After Outreach, I wrote my first book after the project I did in Outreach. So it was true. Those people were saying the truth because even me, when I started to contribute to open source, I started to develop my skills. That's how I wrote a book. And then later I became a core developer. So they didn't lie to me. And uh, yeah, because uh, what when I started to be involved, I still started to live the life they were talking about. Yeah, so that's how I started into open source. Well, your story is quite, um, I would say it's quite interesting. Um, because, you know, it's a different thing when someone says you're stepping down, why you're supposed to be stepping up, or you basically know what you intend to achieve. And looking at this, the outcome was great. I mean, you wrote a book. Yeah. You knew better, and then yeah. you got better position. I was just thinking, um, while you were speaking, uh, what what were the attributes I think that you had that helped you to continue regardless of what other other people were st- were saying to you at the time? Um. Okay. So there has to be an attitude of. Uh, I think you have to have a unique drive of your own, right? A unique drive of your own goals and where you want to see yourself and not caring about where you live, right? So at the time, of course, I'm from Uganda. So that's where I was living at the time. And I used to go to this meetup. It was called Geek Night Kampala. It was... uh, organized by ThoughtWorks. ThoughtWorks is an international company and it had uh, offices in Uganda at the time. And that meetup was known for like very expert people, senior engineers. And 
every time uh, many people never used to go to that meter because they feared that from the every time somebody was speaking we would not understand anything because the topics were very technical mm-hmm. right but in my mind i started to tell myself but i want to be very technical why am i really being afraid of these meetups then let me go in the first meetup i'll only understand one word but then in the second meetup i'll understand three by the fourth meetup I will understand four things, yeah. right? So I had my own special goal of like I wanted to learn and that goal is what pushed me. I never cared if I was embarrassed about knowing not knowing a certain uh, uh, vocabulary that they were talking about in that meetup. That didn't did not bother me. I just was interested in learning. And when I read about other developers and how they had better skills through for example writing blog posts mm-hmm. right I never cared that in my school or in my community in Kampala no one was writing uh, tech blog posts mm-hmm. that didn't bother me I just wanted I only had the goal of I also want to generate technical content it doesn't matter whether I'm Ugandan I know Ugandan has ever done it so me I was a little bit more motivated by the go- my personal goals of learning and not caring about what my environment can or cannot do I was like it's me not I'm not just a normal it's not me and not just Kampala yeah. me Yeah. right yeah i think that this is quite interesting you have a very um, strong persistent um, tense i'll say into what you want to achieve and you yeah. have them drawn out which i think is very key yeah. that, um, um most women um these are some of the things that draws us back you know not wanting to you know push on or have um contribution within the open source space so this is quite interesting but then i i understand that contributing to open source um in most cases except for you for instance that you had an opportunity to go to Altrichi where you where you could get um level of funds basically to support what your your contribution in open source um most times you would start contribution within open source more as a volunteer a contributor and most times it's not tied mm-hmm. to more like payment or anything um how are you mm-hmm. able to balance your personal goals to learning um with your career and then your contribution in open source uh actually that's that's a very uh that's a very important question and uh, i was i've been lucky that i went through outreach you went through rails guys i went through uh, outreach even when i started to develop uh on c python i i was mentored i my first like i got into python through mentorship at that time but i want to emphasize like i think a little bit of what i i i talked about i think it would depend more about your goal right first if you ask yourself why do i want to contribute to open source that the the why will drive you more than uh, actually what you want to do yeah. right uh, for example if if you me probably i wanted uh, maybe to just become actively like being a, an active contributor but if you have no reason for example i could give you one good reason to and something that could make you drive you to be to, to doing open source is that open source can give you a platform to learn but also develop experience 
there is no point in time where you will have gained all the knowledge you ever need even senior engineers 50 years mm -hmm. old are always uh, are always looking out to learn something new right so everybody will always be on a learning journey so if you at least you have no motivation at least do open source because you want to learn something if you are a student open source it should be your first job uh, experience even if you're not paid right if you're lucky to get into outreach we we can thank god for that but if you do not get into outreach volunteer at least to get the experience what does that mean if you contribute to the linux canal for example in your next code interview when they're asking for experience, you are going to show that, right? You didn't have to go to a real job like uh, maybe Google to register experience, but you can tell the next interviewer that these are my contributions in the Linux kernel. He was not going to refute because many people are using the Linux kernel in the world. It's even uh, your impact, the impact of your code is even wider, right? So. I think the first thing is you need to have a certain sort of drive. Why? Because the why usually drives our actions, right? So then how do you balance? If you found the why, uh, how do you balance? Because now you have this passion, you have these benefits that you've seen that you, you will get just by contributing to open source. So then how do you go about it? The truth is that uh, if, you're, if you're a student, and you're, you're looking for money, you need to pay the bills, right? And I don't think that it's very realistic to just contribute to open source while not getting paid and you call that very sustainable, right? You should also try to see, to think about ways of uh, survival even as you contribute to open source, don't expect because open source is software is software you won't sell, yeah. But people have created careers around open source, right? So for survival, make sure you can also do something sustainable around your open source contributions. That's one path, right? And uh, or if it if it's not really survival. It could help in your career development uh, in a way. And if you're just a normal volunteer, even me, I'm a C Python core developer, but at its core, I am just a volunteer. Uh, please uh, make sure you're very realistic about the time you're giving to your employer and the open source contributions you're making, right? Make sure open source will always be there. Do not burn out uh, thinking that uh, if uh, if I don't make contribution, Python is not going to be no more tomorrow. Trust me, that's not true. Uh, please give your time to uh, the job that, that maybe pays your bills because to some degree it's important. Money is important. Let's not shy. Let's not be. Let's be honest with each yeah. other, right? So make sure you're doing the right balance and uh, giving open source the right amount of time you give it. Trust me, even even if you don't contribute to it, it will still be there tomorrow. If you still if you have to take care of your family today. You can pause your open source contributions and pick up next month. The open source project will still be there. So you have to make very educated uh, decisions and make your priorities right. If you're lucky and your open source is your full-time job, we really thank God for that, right? Then do your all, but also make sure you're taking care of your mental health because burnout is real. Because most of us contribute to open source because we are very passionate and we love to write code for these projects. But then, I mean, if you don't rest, 
you're going to burn out and uh, burnout is real so make sure you you also balance your time out on making min meaningful contributions to open source but also rest uh, and take some time off for your family and for yourself yeah, yeah. i think you basically said it all burnout is real most of us that contribute to open source we contribute because we have passion and sometimes it can be a little mm -hmm. bit difficult um, for people to know how to place the priority right basically knowing that your priority should first go on what gives you funds because funds comes with motivation motivation drives passion so that can't be like misplaced um i uh, that takes me on to my next question um currently we have very low participation of women within the open source space in uh, research says that um, in the tech space in general we have about 19 percent of women but in open source we have lower than 13 percent do you think that there are certain um activities around the open source um ecosystem that is um driving lower participation for women yeah and uh they are both good and bad and um, it's just that the bad ones okay Okay, there's no there's no good thing around people not being in open source, but I uh, I think there are genuine reasons why, uh, that could be pushing uh, women away, and I do not want maybe to dwell on. Of course, we've heard about the obvious things. Uh, some of these communities are very not very welcoming. Let's be honest yeah. about it. You know, sometimes if, if even as a woman, I feel. I feel guilty if I'm talking about these topics because certain people start to perceive me like I'm victimizing myself. Instead of working hard, I'm now talking, becoming a victim. But I think these are honest conversations we need to have. I'll give you an example. I mentor a pilot in Kampala, and every year when there is outreach, when it's time for outreach applications, we literally have like a special drive in Pilates Kampala for people like uh, to help folks like uh, do their essays, to help folks like uh, uh, choose open source projects and make contributions to them. And I witnessed like one time, this lady I, I was actually with her. I tell her to ask a question in our community. Like, can you ask about this uh, bug and how you can go uh, attempting it, right? And the response, it was like on IRC. I was like literally next to her. We were reading the response to her questions, right? And five gentlemen in that community, I won't say the name of, they start by laughing, like lol. You know how you say lol? And then they go on to make statements of what, like who even does this or who even doesn't know this? Because she was asking about, uh, she was asking about some log files and how they interpret them or process them so she can understand the information there. It's a genuine technical difficulty. You don't expect a beginner to know that. But just because for them the skills had become second nature to them, they laughed at her and were like, we don't expect anybody to ever ask that question. So those are just examples of microaggressions. They look like minor, but how can a whole community start laughing at you, laughing at an intern who is just applying for outreach? So I'm saying... One of the reasons is like the how the the communities and the members and how they uh, interact with each other. Most of them are very sexist. Uh, first, even for very technical women that come that join these groups and they know what they are doing, they will start applying like 
I want to be a release manager and like we've never had a female release manager we don't trust you do you have a family do you have this right so it's sometimes these things are already the sexism is already in built uh, in our communities in these open source communities and so the these things shy make the women are uh, to shy away that's one but two and i talk about this with a friend of mine called Marlene she was one of the PSF directors before i joined uh we talk about like the lack of role models uh, for women in those communities right the c python core team has i think right now we are six women i think six or seven women right now right and uh, marietta was the first female core developer she didn't for like almost more than 20 years they had never been uh, a female uh, a female core developer so i would imagine like what was in her mind to even think about being a core developer when she was not seeing anyone like herself right on the core team so that lack of that lack of people you can that you can identify with in these communities is what's uh, maybe uh, scaring most of the women it's it's uh, for women but also people of color like us or africans like us right just like you said i'm the only african core developer there so even that is probably scaring all many africans to join the c python core team because they're like oh we can never identify with that right so that's the first what the what's the action point here is that there needs to come up uh, brave women like us uh, to take up some of these leadership roles or in these key open source communities even for just the sake of encouraging others to think like it's possible right it's possible for me they can identify with us they're like female like us maybe black like us right if they see someone who looks like them then they'll be encouraged uh, to join so if i summarize this question i would say there are genuine hindrances uh, in these communities but if you persist a lot and uh, you make sure that your technical skills are shining people will never argue with your skills yeah. right they can argue back and forth about your gender but if you show them that you can solve a memory leak in the linux kernel no one is going to argue about mm -hmm. that you're going to have fixed a problem right so just work on your skills and no one will ever argue about that then two even as women let's make sure we take up leadership positions in these key open source areas so that people that look like us get encouraged to come uh, to join these open source communities yeah thank you joanna i think you've said something it reminded me of when i um, got into the gnome project and i was elected as the first african that was back my first election was in 2020 and i can imagine i was looking at comments from different communities because gnome had never never had an african on the board of directors the comments were both positive mm -hmm. and negative and I would say that he had mm -hmm. so much um, torn on me at the time, but I had a drive. I had something to achieve. And so I didn't let that, you know, mm -hmm. stop what I wanted to achieve. And then I was reelected again for the next time. I think that was last year. So I'm going on my second mm -hmm. um, um, time on the board of, uh, for GNOME. Now, this drives mm -hmm. me to my, my next question. I think there are not so mm -hmm. many women that has this level of drive that we have that when we get into a mm -hmm. community, we see a gap and there is a burden on us to want to basically 
filling that gap by being there. Because the truth is, if we are not being represented in leadership, there would be no spokeswomen for things that are happening. And I think that right now, women are beginning gradually, though, within the open source space, to take on leadership positions. What then can we do as women leaders in open source to help um, drive in more participation of um, you know, newer, newer women that are coming into open source. Let me, let me start by saying that. There, there's a research, um, there's a research done by Linux Foundation that I think that was last year mm -hmm. that talked about women even complains about maintenance of projects not merging their requests for change. So it's a thing to get into a, an open source project and make a very core contribution. It's another thing for your mm -hmm. contribution to be accepted, for your pull request to be accepted. So what can we do mm -hmm. in this space to see that from the, from the, from the, I would say from start to finish, to ensure that women are, you know, know get empowered to come into open source and they are also able to get their contribution, you know, accepted. <laughs> That's that's a very important. And I had this discussion, like the whole of PyCon uh, last month when I went to PyCon in April. I think I had a whole week where every day I was having this discussion of like us women or even people of color, if you're from Africa, right? What do we do to empower each other, right? And I noticed that you need a special even kind of skill to be a, a leader in these new areas. Like if you're African, there's a mentality we have like uh, we are less, we are inferior most times. So when you come to the US, sometimes we we shy away. And it's a unique skill that Africans, first of all, need to have to make sure that they stop thinking about themselves as as uh, maybe small people. Okay, like they're not worth it when they reach these discussions. Anyway, let me answer this question directly. We have to be very intentional as as women or people, women like us who are in leadership, uh, like you who is on the board, me who is on the board too, and also a core developer. We have to be very intentional about encouraging people who who look like us or who who are who aspire in our communities to be a part of these communities. What do I mean being intentional? If you are a CPython core developer and you see certain contributions from Africa, it's not bad to say, let me focus my reviews mm. on maybe pull requests that come from this region. There is no evil in that. that because you're actually solving a problem. I mean, certain people are going to look at you a certain way. I'm not saying that it's all going to be joy. Certain people are going to say you're being, uh, maybe you're, it's favoritism. But at the end of the day, we are forgetting that this is an actual problem. The reason uh, a, a core developer from the U.S. can easily review another pull request from a U.S. Uh, author is because they probably have met at a conference, right? They know each other somewhere because they, we are human, so that's what happens. And because the pull requests are many, usually we, even when a familiar name shows up on GitHub, you're like, oh, let me just look. How This guy, I met him at PyCon. His pull request is here. Maybe let me review it, right? It's because you've met that person somewhere, right? The fact that uh, Africans maybe don't come to PyCon US, 
your 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 name will never ring a bell to most core developers. Let's be honest. So you, if you are a leader in these communities, you have to come come to terms with that problem and be intentional about it and say, okay, it looks like I'm favoring folks from a certain region, but actually. No, I'm actually solving a problem. Let me look at more of these PRs that are probably coming from Nairobi, even if I don't know them, because we need to encourage them to join the community as well. So I think to summarize this point, you have to really be intentional about uh, if you're a woman, if you're maybe from an unrepresented area, you have to be very intentional about doing something at, about, uh, on the underrepresentation of those areas. And uh, and so, and you have to know that when you do those things, people are going to welcome your contributions to it. So if you are director of genome, for example, and you suggest something like that, no one is going to discourage you, trust me. Some random people on the internet, of course, may have some harsh words for you, but at the end of the day, people will always be happy that you're encouraging certain folks from maybe women or uh, people of color to join the community. So people will always be supportive of you. The, the second thing, I already said intentional, but secondly, that's very close and it's very important for folks like us who are on the boards, right? Because when you're on a board, you're making decisions, right? I don't know about uh, you, but uh, as a PSF director, we are always voting things like I for funding and things like that. So in a way, we decide how how uh, where like the resources, the money, where the money is going, for example, right? From money from our sponsors uh, because the PSF exists so that uh, Python as a language becomes stays relevant. So we decide where the money goes, right? And of course, if there is no uh, African develop uh, or women or women or a woman director or African director, no one will know that there is a need in Uganda or a need in Nigeria, right? It's obvious, right? So when you join the board, make sure you're also speaking to these issues. Do not be shy, right? Because you're doing the communities you represent a sort of disservice. If uh, you join the board, do not shy away from uh, representing women communities like PyLadies. For example, if you're on PSF, for Genome, I don't know what other women communities are, you have there, but I believe they are similar, right? Speak out uh, about the interests of those communities. Sometimes those boards, it's not that they ignore the women communities. They just don't know how to help or where those communities are. So if you shy away from those matters and you don't speak about them, you are doing those communities a disservice. And uh, sometimes you have to learn to be a little bit, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, um, I don't know, maybe aggressive uh, or persistent uh, or whatever on certain matters, right? Argue out your points. And so I'll give an example. Recently, we were talking with Marlene about some some challenges when we get certain uh, issues uh, on the board and their decisions to make maybe the LGBTQ thing is usually the biggest and in relation to African communities. And sometimes there can be discussions that are being made on oversight 
that uh, doesn't match our culture or that's even more offensive sometimes to our culture. In those cases, you're not actually supposed to be uh, shying away. Be aggressive enough to speak to some of these things in relation to your culture. In Asia, the same thing happens. Uh, the, the, their culture is a little bit different. There are certain things you you don't have to, there is a certain way you're not supposed to be talking to them because it's presumed or assumed as being disrespectful, right? So if you are from the Asia, make sure in those discussions you're aggressive enough or bold enough to speak to those issues and advise the board not to take certain directions because if you do not get a little bit more aggressive and uh, a bit more vocal, then unfair policies are going to go out to the communities where you represent. Mm -hmm. So you have to be intentional and a little bit uh, very aggressive and learn to put on a much more tougher skin uh, when you're speaking to certain issues that benefit our communities. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think that this is um, basically um, has drawn me to basically what I did um, this um, time around on the board. We uh, actually voted on for the first time to have a diversity um, appearance at um, um, an event in Nigeria. And I'll be traveling to Nigeria for this event. And we voted so that mm -hmm. um, I had to personally write a proposal. People in Africa don't mm -hmm. know the genome project enough to even participate. Mm -hmm. How do you mm -hmm. get people to participate into a project? They are not really aware about how it works, the structure, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So what I did was to you know, write a proposal to the board and say, hey, we have to put intentional efforts and funds towards diversity. It's important there's a problem. There are no African developers working on the genome project that I know of um, at the moment <laughs> or maybe recognizable. It's a problem and we have to put our funds where we would you know, more like see value. You know, I, I thank God that everyone voted and we were able to push on this project to the next level. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be in mm -hmm. Nigeria talking about the genome project. And this has never been done in the genome project. We had never had to, you know, talk about diversity in this way. And I feel like if that is one of the things I, I am bringing to the genome project, I think it's enough to see that the visibility of the project and to see also that um, people within, uh, you know, like myself are able to see that this project exists and we can create a space for you to be part of the project. Like you say, for instance, genome, we have membership, right? So it means that when you make your contribution, you can apply to become a member of the genome project. To be a member, you need mm -hmm. two or three people to basically vouch for your work. So if you're mm -hmm. coming from Africa and you don't mm -hmm. have anyone within the African space to vouch for your work, it becomes a problem. I've seen Several, I would say, everyone that came to Genome for, um, for, from Africa that is a member of Genome at the moment came. I had to vouch for every one of them because mm -hmm. they know me mm -hmm. on the board. So it's like, oh, Regina, mm -hmm. we have this person having a, um, a membership application. What do you think? And all of that. And I have to say something. So the we can't take away the fact that being in a leadership position is key 
to helping you know drive women participation and basically newcomers participation into the open source project but like you've said and you've said it all we need to have tough skin we need to speak up when we are in mm-hmm. leadership position we shouldn't be ceremonial heads or ceremonial board heads we are there to make a change and we should we should make this change the best <laughs> way we can like you said it's not too much to give uh, some level of attention to underrepresented communities within your project and review their contribution with honest feedbacks without you know downplaying what they've done so far. The story we, of the internship we mentioned is quite pathetic. I mean, what do you really expect an intern to know at that stage? And having this conversation as well mm-hmm. is one thing that I'm very happy that we are having this conversation and there should be more conversations about this. This is the only way we can drive change. This is the only way we can have people understand that we are, we are about to create a very wide gap in the open source ecosystem. If we do not begin to speak up, things are happening, things are real. Mm-hmm. People are, are getting more, more like less excited about being part of open source communities. People are really, you know, going back, thinking that they're either not good enough or they will not be accepted or their contribution will not be seen as important. So it, it's a good mm-hmm. thing that we're having this conversation. And that, you know, takes me to the closing of our, our talk today, which is supposed to be for 30 minutes. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned about your book because I was going to say that you have a book on Amazon which I looked at, which is uh, Python 2 and 3 compatibility. Um, if you're going to listen to this podcast again, go and check it out. It's very good content. Very, very good content. So, to close out, are there any, anything you're working on that you would like to share? Yeah, so uh, currently, I, I, uh, most of my work, I am working on some research and uh, have a couple of patents coming out uh, so my work is on obviously python and i specialize mostly on garbage collection so you can look out for some of my papers we have worked on a couple of uh, i've been working on so many optimizations on memory layout for dynamic languages of course prototyping in python but some of these things can be applied to other languages so there are really techniques uh, that uh, uh, are transferable to different uh, technologies uh, or languages. I really love community, so I still I I continue to be one of the organizers for Pilates Kampala. Even when I'm in Canada, I'm literally every Saturday I am on a call with somebody at Pilates Kampala. So those are things I continue doing. We are organizing PyCon in Uganda our very first PyCon, and it's going to happen in September. I hope to very much fly back uh, to Kampala to really be at this PyCon, our very first PyCon for the Pearl of Africa. So if any folks want to come to Kampala, please reach out, and uh, we'll tell you if you want to consider submitting a talk at uh, at uh, PyCon Uganda, f- please feel very free to do that for the next year. For my third year on the board, this discussion has actually, I wanted to resign from the board recently. And the reason I wanted to resign was, it was around the pressure I was having. It felt like 
I was I was the only one on the other side on most discussions on the board, right? You know how they bring a motion and you're always that one speaking against it. And I was asking Marlene, is this normal? But from this discussion and her discussion, you've confirmed certain aspects of it. She was like, it is normal. If you're from a rare community, if you have a rare background, you are always going to be against most things in a good way because these people, they don't know where you're coming from. So it's normal. You just have to continue speaking about it. I felt a bit uh, very discouraged, uh, almost almost leaving uh, or resigning uh, or giving up my board seat. But I was, I was very encouraged. So in the next year, we are going to have, uh, I'm going to be in involved in uh, several discussions about how we can bring some of the PSF programs to Africa, revolve, uh, like uh, evolve the ambassador program we are launching a community leadership council as the psf and we want it to be in underrepresented uh, focus on underrepresented areas like africa so i am very excited for that uh that uh, we are going to move front on that and at a director level as well we want to make sure that research is also mainstream at uh, conferences like uh, pycon or DEFCONF or whatever it is. And we'll have like research published in like proceedings, prestigious proceedings. So I am looking forward to a lot of things in community and uh, interacting with several folks in Africa and seeing how Python can be like a household name here, not like a US thing, right? Yeah, so I am excited about that. Wow, this is quite interesting. I think I should just add, to let you know that being on the other side is more like I would say a default for for us as minorities in um, both sets, right? This is my third term as well, mm -hmm. and I could tell you that my first two term was not as simple as it is. But this third term, for instance, as I said, I'm going to Nigeria because I had to make them see that we have to have put money where it can be more appreciated, right? And I'm going mm -hmm, to have this mm -hmm. conversation. We had to, you know, become a sponsor at the event. And I'm going to be speaking to them about the GNOME project, what we do, how to participate. My aim is to see that I drive this from the beginning to the end. It means that I don't mm -hmm. intend for people to come into the community, make their contributions, and they will not be seen. I intend to ensure that I'm at the beginning and see through and the, to end. the end. Because that's the only way the result I'm expecting would, would, would come through. And I think mm -hmm. the more we stay on leadership roles, the more um, gradually our, our voices will be heard. Like I said, what I'm going mm -hmm. to do right now in, in Genome has never been done before. We've never had to have to sponsor an event. Right? But I said, we can give mm -hmm. the little to diversity. And right now, for this time, we only have three... Um, for this bottom, we only have three things we are focusing on. And one of it is diversity. So it, it means that mm -hmm. we, in this term of the board, are intentionally trying to see that we give more years to diversity activities within Genome. And this is how it is. It doesn't come very simple, but it's one step at a time. Mm -hmm. One step at a time. And one step at a time. What do you say about... Mm -hmm. People that would want to join PyCon, but they don't want to go into coding. Are there other areas available for them? Would they be welcomed and all of that? 
Yeah, so Python, Python, we are very lucky that we have or we are a home to the to one of the popular programming languages in the world. And Python is not, much as it's a programming language, we have seen it being used in several domains of, uh, of our world. Python is used, being used for music. Python is being used by people to go to space. Python is being used by people in education. Python is being used for literally different things. And uh, being a programming language, a programming language, most of the tasks are around programming, but that's a little of what Python is. We have documentation needs in our community, needs to help us design maybe the PSF website, even on C Python core. We have tasks around just managing. We have, uh, currently we have, uh, we are even going to hire another developer in residence, but literally their task is not even writing code. It's managing the project, the bug tracker, who is the release manager, other releases on time, and security tasks being routed to the team in time is this. So there is more than code. Uh, uh, there is more to do in the Python community and code. Also, you can organize community. And if you organize uh, community activities for five hours in a month, for just five hours in a month, you have the privilege to be a voting member of the PSF. That means you, you, are able, you can vote for directors and have a lot of privilege because we consider community organization as a very significant contribution to our community equal to what a core developer does, right? So do not think that uh, Python is just code. Organize community, organize meetups, start a Python user group, start a pilot is a chapter, and the PSF will be more than willing to fund you. If you are an university and you want to develop a curriculum around Python, we can support you both technically and even with funds from the PSF. I want to give a, a statistic that uh, made me feel very bad or sorry last year. When we attended the members meeting, our executive director gave the statistics of how grants, uh, the, the percentage of grants that go to different areas. And they say that only about 10% of PSF money goes to Africa mm -hmm. and a little bit like 16 or something goes to Asia. So I asked them a direct question like, is it that uh, you reject these grants mm -hmm. or it's the traffic? And the, the story, what uh, made me very sad is they say that it's the traffic. We don't see. We're literally looking for people to apply for this money. The PSF is in surplus right now. We are in surplus, but we are not seeing like uh, grants uh, coming from Africa and by grants, we, mostly we fund community activities. So join the, contribute to the Python community by starting a community in your area or a chapter of something in your area, just talk about Python, we will fund you, we have the money. Our support, our sponsors are always saying, we want to reach the developers, where are they? So the PSF is ready to fund you, we have more than enough money, Africans are not asking for the money. So 
please uh, there are more areas and we have the money to help you if that's your biggest uh, bottleneck for getting involved and our grants program is the our biggest contributor to outreach so we use the grants program as a, to reach out to more people to join our community either through even open source because we find we give grants for people that uh, have open source projects we have we give grants to even people that are working on research independent or in teams so we use our money a lot to make sure we are encouraging volunteers to contribute to our community so you don't have to be a programmer anything really counts uh teacher uh community organizer anything diversity and inclusion expert come write code of conduct for us right come and uh, just tell us about uh, be our ambassador right we have something we call pfsf ambassadors we just want you to advise us about what's happening in kenya what's happening in cameroon because we don't have like psf staff there or psf directors from there we want that domain knowledge that is also a contribution just existing and telling us something about how we can be of impact to those communities as an ambassador so yeah, there are so many areas and my email is always available if you have any question about how to get involved i have so many ways i have so many areas just tell me what you're passionate about there is an area i can push you to or hand you over to somebody that can place you somewhere in this python community yeah wow it has been a very um i don't know how to explain this a very exciting interesting and um, practical discussion with you joanna I, I I hope that when you're listening to this um, discussion letter, I hope that you are able to get everything you need to join the Python um, community. And as she said, the community is open. You can reach out to her. She's going to take you through from the beginning to the end. And should you feel like you are interested within the GNOME project as well, please, my DM is open. Let me know what you want to do and I will do the best to help you. We are also with Outreach here as well, and GSOC, another project, but we're also doing something, that means the GNOME project, also doing something within diversity for this bottom. I want to see that we have more words out there for people to participate and become part of um, open source in general. Um, I'm going to give a, maybe a few seconds for Dorothy. Um, would you like to ask a question or you basically have something you want to share before um, I give my final um, go? Do you want, do you have something you like to share, Dorothy? You could give a thumbs up and I'll open you up to speak if that is fine. Okay. I don't think she wants to say anything. So in the absence of that, thank you so much, Joanna, for this interview. It was interesting. It was exciting. It was everything good. And we should have more of this conversation. Okay. Um, so as for you to join Open Source Stories, Regina, you're going to be getting a post from me on Twitter because I checked you out on LinkedIn. And it doesn't seem like you're very much active there. So you're going to get a post from me on Twitter with an appreciation card designed for you to just say thank you so much for being part of Open Source Story with Regina. 
And I hope that we get to meet in any of the conferences um, in future. Let's keep the conversation going, Jana. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. It was great and nice talking to you. We should have uh, we should have another chat yes, sometime. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, I'm thinking on the episode two. We are going to talk about something in episode two, so I will call you in again. But that would be for the next episode. Um, for this episode, I'm going to have it having just six interviews. So for the next episode, hopefully there will be more exciting things to talk about, and then we can run up something else as well. Thank you so much, and have okay. a beautiful evening. Um, All right. Bye, Dorothy. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry, please. Um, Dorothy wants to say something. Um, one minute. Let me, let me make you. Just give me a minute, Dorothy. I'm gonna make you a speaker now. Yeah. So you are approved to speak, Dorothy. You can speak now. Dorothy is going to be speaking shortly. I think she's trying to connect. Yeah, so you can unmute yourself, Dorothy, and speak. Okay, thank you, Regina. Thank you, Joanna. Um, I was honestly hooked to to this space. Uh, I love um, that you're talking about open source and uh, how, as Africans, uh, we can evolve. I'm actually interested in contributing to open source. Um, but for some reason, I get stuck <laughs> with a code base. And just like how Joanna was mentioned, um, like the support, so I, I don't really feel like sometimes we get the support, but also you can't also hang on that. Like if they don't answer your question or maybe you're just overwhelmed, um, sometimes you don't get the answer. and then, But still, you can't keep crying about that. So how do we get better at contributing? Because for most of us, we start, but we don't really succeed or maybe proceed uh, or continuously contribute. You may con contribute for a short time, but then coming back to it, it becomes quite difficult. Some code bases are really complex. So how do we, how do you guys do it? How do you hang on, like, to a point that you're a core developer, uh, to a point that you keep contributing. Yeah, so maybe that would be uh, nice to hear from you guys. But also I'm interested to learn more about the genome and also be a core developer as well. Yeah, thank you. I think I can, I can ask Joanna to start. Um, then I'll... Uh. Okay, that's actually a very uh, important question. So, so Dorothy, uh, it seems to me that you already have the passion and your goal. So that's the most important. We figured that out. So right now, we need to be a little bit uh, persistent. And I don't want to end my answer there because persistent is not a very useful answer. How? Uh, it looks like you're already persistent. I'll give you a simple uh a simple skill for C Python. So I see many new contributors join and the very first problem they have, if they have no mentorship, the very first challenge they have is they don't know what to work on, right? What you have to know that if C Python is difficult, I call it a beast, the code base is difficult. It's a programming language. So 
the the whole compiler process is a bit complex in that even core developers are striving for relevance and they are looking for easy tasks to work on because to be a core developer by the way to to keep your commit rights you have to be active on the project uh, if you're not active they they uh, they Okay, they don't take away your commit rights, but they put you in an inactive state. So even core developers are looking for things to work on. And so it's because the project is difficult. Just to give you some hope, even core people struggle to find things to work on. So it's not a feeling that only you uh, face. But I'll give, I, I'll tell you my skill and what I try to do uh, to make sure, maybe you could try some of these things. Do not be very ambitious about your contributions. I'm going to repeat, and I'll give an example. Do not be very ambitious about your contribution. During PyCon US, I was mentoring uh, a lady from India to contribute. And uh, of course, I brought her in our sprint room with other core developers, and I gave her a first-time task. I told her, write some tests, right? So before we talk, she was like, I have never even found a documentation task to work on. So I gave her some tests. I'm like, start. See, Python is very broken. So let's write these tests. So she made two contributions. And she was like, then she started telling me, no, I don't feel like I've made enough. Uh, this is not big enough. Give me a very big feature, right, that I can start uh, like give me maybe to write the symbol table or the compiler i want to feel like i need something complex to show my relevance here on this project and i'm not going to criticize her but i think the process has to be gradual be very graceful with yourself if it means starting with typos start there because your knowledge improves there starting the docs fix typos but as you're in the docs you're reading about python and what it does you're reading about the standard library for example and how it's working and as you're reading you're fixing certain uh, certain documentation typos then graduate uh, most programmers they don't want to start there they'll see typos and they'll be like no this is not complex enough they're going to despise me no that's where we start then from docs i advise people to go and read the tests because tests literally show you if you read tests then you understand the functionality in the code if you read tests that are testing for example the os module in python right you're going to understand how each method is written from just reading the tests. As you read the tests and map to the functions that these tests are testing, then you're going to find certain things. You'll be surprised. Core developers forget to write certain tests for different methods. You see? So your contributions are starting to build up. Then next, you start to write tests. Then as you get familiar with tests, you start to read certain functions and you're like, they forgot to, to catch an exception, right? Here, they did not take care of this corner case. You're just looking at one standard library module, which is the OS module, right? And you're reading code, but you will find areas of improvement by reading the code. That's the, I've found that that's the most useful. So programming, you're already a programmer, Dorothy, because I know you. I hope you know that uh, uh, 
modifying an already existing code base is harder than starting your new projects but starting a project from scratch is very easy and so the skill of learning to read code is equally important or even more important than uh, writing code it's equally important so invest a lot of time in reading code and understanding it that's where we find uh, tasks to work on realistically i can tell you that those bug trackers we have like on pro popular projects like CPython, what? Most easy tasks have already been taken. Most of the things you find there are difficult tasks that even core developers don't know how to solve, right? So it's not sometimes a very realistic place to start, though sometimes we label some issues as uh, low-hanging fruit. But I wrote a blog post about that for CPython. Those low-hanging fruit, it's just that core developers are used so much to the project, they label them as low-hanging fruit, but they're actually not low-hanging fruit, right? So the, I would advise that you start in simple ways, right? We know you are a very uh, hardcore developer, but start small, be very graceful. Build your knowledge very slowly. If it means starting with the docs, then go to the test, and then start reading code, module by module. Start with your favorite library, for example, in CPython. If it is SSL, if it's the SSL module, start by just uh, reading the, the code in there right and see what you can improve or any suggestions you can introduce in there but also for cpython we have a whole mailing list for newcomers right it's called the uh, cpython uh, core mentorship you can always email that mailing list core developers will always respond to you uh, if you can't if you're failing to build the, the project just email on that uh, mailing list and then we'll be able to help as uh, the c python core team is also on discord there is a, a whole new channel for new contributors and when you ask a question there we will always uh, respond we are on discuss like discuss.python.org if you ask a question there, we will always help. Even a question like, I want to start contributing to CPython. How do I get started? Folks will, uh, folks will uh, respond to you. And uh, we have a code of conduct. Uh, if anybody tries to shut you down, we will remove them from the mailing list because we have a whole Python uh, code of conduct that we, uh, we work we work with so we encourage uh, newcomers like you and i'm not going to say so it's not going to be a little bit simple i have to be very honest with you right people don't become core developers uh, because by luck you need to be a bit persistent uh i hope this is what i i also have to tell you the truth right you need to be a little bit uh, intentional and a little bit uh, persistent and uh, and uh, persevering, yeah, you put on a tough skin and stay. If your goal is to become a core developer, do not quit after week one before you can even build a project. I've mentored over 15 people from Africa to become core developers, and they couldn't even go beyond building CPython, right? So also you have to be a little bit persistent alongside uh, those a few things I've I've tried to discuss to uh, to penetrate these communities. If you are lucky, you can reach out on the side to certain core developers you meet at conferences and uh, meetups and be like, can you mentor me? Most times if you ask for mentorship on a general mailing list, 
people will rarely respond to you. But if you meet folks at a meetup, ask for the mentorship at a personal level, they will always uh, try to be uh, as helpful, helpful as they can to you. I, I hope I've tried to answer the question. Okay, I will just basically continue from where um, Joanna said. Um, just like Python uh, community, we also have basically code of conduct. But just to give you a context, um, even while working with Linux and being a database administrator and working with them, um, now a software engineer, I didn't start my GNOME contribution from a, from a coding standpoint. So in GNOME, we basically have about different angles you could come in. So you could come in as um, to develop our app, of course, or documentation or you know, engagement team. So I came in from the engagement um, um, aspect. So the engagement is basically um, more like outreach and um, event organizations and you know, website development and the likes. And I chose this part of contribution in open source because I really didn't want to do the same thing I'm doing for my, my work for my open source contribution. I feel like this way I can manage my contribution and be continuous, you know, more like be sustainable. Um, I don't want to finish developing codes at my day job and end up doing the same thing <laughs> for my open source contribution. So, so this is how I decided to more like channel my contribution. So for me, I would say, while you want to do your contribution within any project, try to look at what you can do and you can sustain. I think the sustainability is key. Sustainability is key. What can I commit to, to continuously? Um, the work of a software engineer, for instance, it's quite, it's a lot of work. Am I able to do software engineering at my day job? I think we mentioned at the beginning of this discussion, you, Joanna was talking about the importance of prioritizing what gives you funds over open source because you need money to sustain right i don't know if you, if you joined at the beginning but we, we joanna made mention of that you need money to sustain and you need to know if i'm going to be doing for instance a software engineering job at my at my day job can i continue with the same energy for open source contribution if i'm not going to be paid if yes go ahead but if no, then look for something else that you want to develop in. For me, I felt like I'm already doing something within, you know, developing code and all of that and working within databases and Linux for, for a lot of time. I wanted to do something that's way different from the things I'm doing, learn new skills, right? So going into the engagement team for me was a whole lot because I really didn't, um, more like I would say, I, I don't plan events originally. I don't do outreach for for a, a technical a technology product originally i just basically do back-end development so having to stretch myself out of that path basically helped me to see um what is going on in the marketing side of things and also being a back-end developer so i think the first thing i would say is think of what you can do consistently without any burnout i think and, and joanna mentioned that as well what is your day job? Can you give the same time of your day job to your open source contribution? If yes, go ahead. If no, is there other skills you would need to support what you do in your day job to take you on to your career goals? If yes, then make your contribution within that area. So 
if you go to gnome.org basically you would see gnome.org get involved and you see different ways you can get involved with gnome.org we also have our discourse channel but we use basically metrics for most of our communications and you can also still send me a dm if you find any of this a bit difficult to get into i would help you to get your place in there we have a new commerce channel same way the new commerce channel is basically a lot of people commenting on these commerce channels every day and like joanna said <laughs> it's not going to be that simple like right but it's a good thing that you're here we're having this conversation so someone knows you already and someone can help you hold your hands while you get through to the community so i think that's exactly um how i would say <laughs> i would answer your question i hope i've been able to to basically answer your question the best way um yeah um thank you maureen for joining i think we are almost done i don't know if you caught anything would you like to ask a question we could give you some minutes to ask a question and before we close the space if you would like to ask a question you can have a thumbs up and i would open you up to speak okay okay so i don't think maureen wants to say anything um Okay, so thank you so much again, Joanna, for joining. Like I said, you get a, a card from me to say thank you for joining Open Source Stories, Virginia. This space is going to be you know, turned into a podcast where uh, on Spotify where you could also share to other people that would like to listen. I'm going to also attach a link to that podcast. The podcast is going to come out maybe, let me say, by Tuesday, latest, and you could... Um, share to your contact as well to listen again. It's been a great and wonderful conversation with you, Joanna. Thank you, Dorothy and Maureen for joining. And I wish you ladies a beautiful, beautiful evening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.